welcome to the Let's Scare My Girlfriend to Death podcast. I'm your co-host, Josh. And I'm your co-host, the girlfriend, Cindy. Hey everybody, welcome back to your favorite podcast where a couple break down horror movies and try to scare the girl to death. Uh, I am the girlfriend. My name is Cindy. I'm Josh. I'm the one trying to murder. Trying to murder through horror. Um, Yep, today is... Today Well, we're halfway through. We're three weeks into a five-week month about vampire movies made by first-time directors out which i thought was a very detailed theme but apparently i mean it's we have plenty to talk about here interesting um so we had anna Anna lily amirapur's a girl who walks home alone at night Mm -hmm. and then we had bigelow who would do um point break right and then win the oscar uh for best director the one of only two females to ever do that which is bullshit um Last week, and then this week, we are doing Tony Scott's The Hunger. The Hunger. That's right. Not The Hunger Games. The man who gave us so many movies of the 80s. This is his first film. Okay. And here we go. It was released in 1983. What do you know about 1983? Uh, I was four. That's all I got. I was not even And we've one got Reagan. When this movie came out. Reagan. Um, so 1983 is a year uh, gave us... The debut of Fraggle Rock. Okay. The final episode of MASH. Yep. Uh, the Nintendo was released in Japan, or as they called it, Famicom. Oh, okay. Fa- yeah, fam- Famicom? Fam- yeah, Family um, Computer. Family Con? Fam- okay, Family Com. Fam- Famicom. Okay. Uh, and then that was the year that there was a, a bombing in the United States Senate. No one was killed, but they were trying to kill a bunch of um, Republican senators. Huh. So people that were born that year... We gained Emily Blunt, Aziz Ansari, Henry Cavill, Chris Hemsworth, Donald Glover, and Adam Driver. And we lost Muddy Waters and Karen Carpenter. Oh. Oh, yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, just to put this in perspective, if you're driving in your car right now and you're like, 1983, what movies came out the same year as The Hunger? What? I got you. Do you tell. Uh, the Outsiders. Ah. Uh. Trading Places. Ah. Uh. Uh, National Lampoon's Vacation. Okay. Scarface. John Carpenter's Christine, A Christmas Story, Cujo, The Dead Zone, Flashdance. These are some great movies. Krull. Krull. Lone Wolf McQuaid. (laughs) Okay. You're welcome. It's just a fun name. The the best Chuck Norris movie. Uh, Mr. Mom, Risky Business, Sleepaway Camp, Twilight Zone, the movie, Videodrome, and... And? I would be remiss if I did not mention probably the biggest movie of 1983, Return of the Jedi. Return of the Jedi. So there you go. How could you just skip that Star one? Star Wars. All right. Um, now, I mentioned Here that we go. this movie is a Tony Scott movie. Do you know who Tony Scott is? Nope. Do you know who Ridley Scott is? Yes. The director of Blade Runner, Blade Runner. and Alien and yes. Gladiator and Thelma and Louise. Mm-hmm. This is Tony Scott's brother. Okay. There you go. Uh, this is Tony Scott's brother. Okay. Or, um, this is Ridley, Ridley Scott's, Scott's brother. brother. Yeah. So this is the same guy who, this, while this, of course, being their first film, would go on to give us um, True Romance. Love that. Unstoppable. Okay. Man on Fire. Days of Thunder. The Last Boy Scout. Oh, wow. Beverly Hills Cop 2. And Top Gun. Okay. That's quite a repertoire. Is this movie high up there very, as well? Very 80s. Yes. Um, and... This is the probably the one Tony Scott film that is least remembered from that run. 
Uh, released April 29th of 1983. Okay, tell me about it this. It is rated R. Okay. It is one hour and 37 minutes long. Excellent. That's the best part I've heard so far. Yeah. All right. Um, it is co-written by James Costigan and Michael Thomas. Uh, Michael Thomas, who wrote Lady Hawk. Okay. <laughs> That's a well-loved cult classic. The movie with Rucker Hauer where uh, people turn into wolves and shit, and okay. it's fucking awesome. <laughs> All right. Is this movie also fucking awesome? This movie is. Um, the cast for this thing. Oh, I do want to mention that it's based on a novel by Whitley Strieber, and the makeup effects, which are fucking phenomenal, Okay, are by Dick Smith, who did all the effects on The Exorcist. Oh, wow. Cool. So... And I would argue that some of the makeup in this is Dick Smith's best work. Like, there's a scene in particular in this movie that every time I watch it, it blows my mind. Oh, oh. Like, I oh, never... Okay. That's like a makeup tour de force. I don't think I've ever even heard of this movie. I'm going to be honest with you, yeah. but okay. Um, it stars... Yes. Catherine Deneuve. Catherine Deneuve. As Miriam. She is a big-time French actress who was in Belle du Jour. All right. Repulsion. And Umbrellas for Cherbourg, which is a movie that I'm calling it now. Okay. You would love with all your heart. All right. But that's so not what we're watching today. That movie, just just to give you a heads up, is a movie that is a classical musical in the fact that no one speaks a line of dialogue. Every line in the movie uh, is sang. And it is shot in like Technicolor. It's French. Love shot that. Shot in Technicolor. Love that. What a fun trip that would be. Um, And so that's our big name in this movie. Okay. Right. All Top right. build person. Top build. Here we got it. Who are uh, supporting characters? Number two, our other one of our, there's basically three leads. Here's your second lead. David Bowie. Love that. Uh, who plays John? You know, him and his massive <laughs> package from Labyrinth. David Bowie. Uh, the man who fell to earth as David Bowie. David Bowie. Uh, and then our third lead is Susan Sarandon. Oh my gosh. This is an action, well, not action, this is a star pumped movie playing sarah roberts um i'm loving this yeah thumb and louise dead man walking rocky horse picture show bull durham like the mother's day video from saturday night live with adam sandberg and justin (laughs) justin timberlake um i fucking love bull durham just throwing that out there i fucking love that movie uh so those are kind of your leads and then we have uh cliff de young playing tom haver who was in glory and the craft and shock treatment dan hadea is in this um playing a cop he is in clueless blood simple he's the bad guy in commando with arnold schwarzenegger oh who weirdly they're like hey put on a really weird south american accent and, and he like did storm around the set and be a baddie and he's like we'll do hairiest man maybe ever oh dan hedaya okay i'll god love rem- you i'll think of that as i look at the um watch this i just do want to point out two things two two things to look out for as you watch this movie what's that um one the movie literally opens with the band Bauhaus. they're in this movie okay um they sing the opening credit song and we actually see them they're in the movie all right uh and the other one is there is a like a leather jacketed punk at a um, phone booth that harasses susan sarandon and just keep an eye out for who it is. It's going to blow your mind. Oh, I like that. <laughs> You're going to be Something like. to look forward to. Like, oh, shit. Um, All right. This is the part of the time. Right? Am I right? This is the part of the podcast where Josh shows me an original 
poster of the movie and I tell you what it's going to be about. I will tell you while you're doing that, that the tagline for this movie is nothing human loves forever. The hunger. Okay. I'm going to say this is all very symbolic. I'm going to say it is about Catherine Deneuve as a big vampire who wants to have like, she wants David Bowie, but David Bowie is in love with Susan Sarandon and won't leave her. And so it's like a weird thruple thing. Maybe. Yeah. I'm going to say this is about a thruple vampire situation. I mean, you're not super wrong. Thank you. There's some details you got wrong. Well, Um, I will say this. Not the bad, not the important ones. So big details, right? With a girl who walks home alone at night, you saw vampires skateboard. Okay, I right? did. Yes. Last week, you saw vampires drive around in cars, go through the old west, get in adventures, fall in love. Okay. Uh, this movie is what if we took vampires and just made them fuck? <gasps> Yay! <laughs> All right, let's do this. So get ready for some pearl clutching. Oh, <laughs> uh, okay. This sounds sexy. <laughs> I love that Susan Sarandon is in campy stuff that where she just always like is half naked, like fabulous. Oh, Good for her, girl. You have no idea what's coming down. <laughs> where can we this see movie. this? This is weirdly on HBO Max right now, oh, so cool. you can just watch it on there for free. I think it's maybe also on Prime for free. Nice. This is definitely a lot easier to find than Near Dark. All right. Um, and maybe more your jam. Actually, I guarantee this movie is more your jam. <laughs> Then, but I'd say for a, a large cross section of people, this is probably more their speed than um, Near Dark. Okay. Or an Iranian vampire western. Uh, I like the Iranian vampire western. All right, then. Join us, won't you? Mind the doors. Sarah Roberts is in jeopardy. Hey, lady. How about it? Stay with her. Help her. For she has begun to feel the awful horror of The Hunger. John Blaylock. The Hunger has given him everlasting life. Until now, pray for him. Miriam Blaylock. She feeds one day in seven on the unsuspecting. And soon she will turn into something that you will never be able to forget. No matter how hard and how long you try, fear her. What have you done to me? Forever and ever. And life signs terminate right here. The timeless beauty of Catherine Deneuve, the cruel elegance of David Bowie, the open sensuality of Susan Sarandon, combined to create a modern classic of perverse fear. Mysterious, sensual, strange, perverse, riveting. The Hunger.
Hey, we saw the hunger and a lot of Susan Sarandon's titties. What did everybody think? <laughs> we, that's what we saw. That was what we saw. Tell me what you saw, Josh. Um, I saw a really hyper artsy vampire movie. Okay. Starring yes. David Bowie, yes, yes, Susan yes, Sarandon, yes. and Catherine Deneuve. This really and was. Yes, also. Yeah. This really was like if a French art movie, if they were like their take on Bella and Edward. Do you know what I mean? Like, it was just very fancy and glittery and seductive. It was very, very pretty. I mean, it was very Art Deco. Everything is super, like, 1920s looking. Yes. Like, the clothing and the buildings. That was kind of a thing in the 80s, though. Remember? There was, like, a thing of almost, like, 1940s clothing. Like, the zoot suit type of style really came back for a while. Thank you, Brian Setzer. That was in the 90s. I'm talking about in the 80s. Like, there's but, like, but he was in Stray Cats. Stray Cats was from the 80s. God, God forbid. Yes. Okay. Yes. Next. <laughs> anyway, this was, I really liked this movie. This was a fun, this was a fun romp. Um, it was kind of unexpected and it was, it was a neat twist on an old favorite. <laughs> if that makes any sense. So what's this movie about? This movie is about... Um, a vampress discovers that through the years that, um, her offspring don't live forever. They cut like after a few centuries, they rapidly age, but their spirit lives on and she tries to deal with that. Cause I mean, that's, that's what the whole thing's about. It's not yeah. just about the Susan Sarandon thing. Um, IMDb has a love triangle develops between a beautiful yet dangerous vampire, Catherine Deneuve, her cellist companion, David Bowie, who learned to play the cello for this movie. Oh, nice. Fun fact. And a gerontologist, Susan Sarandon. That is not true, though. It wasn't a love triangle. More like Susan Sarandon was David Bowie's replacement. Yeah, that's what I mean. It was about and how David Bowie was a replacement for the one before him. And it's all kind of like a chain reaction yeah um so for the at-home audience first of all before i break down a little bit more about what this movie's about i have to apologize if i sound odd i'm finding a head cold um <laughs> so i sound totally different in my head i may sound no different to you um that being said this movie is like a hyper stylish kind of sexual vampire film yes. where like cindy mentioned you've got Catherine deneuve who is According to the book, 6,000 years old and Egyptian. Okay. Yeah. So there you go. That checks out. Um, that explains all the, the flash cuts, yeah. too. Yeah. Doesn't explain why she's very white. And, and blonde. Does not. No. And very French. <laughs> but I mean. I well, guess... I mean, it's the Highlander thing, right? Of like, Sean Connery shows up and he's like, I'm Spanish. But he's, and then I'm actually, actually Egyptian. He's Egyptian who lived in Spain and, and has a, a Welsh accent. A Frenchman is a Scotsman. That movie is fucking wild. wild. I love it, though. Um, I also enjoyed this movie. You know? <laughs> this was a fun movie. Um, yeah. But anyway, so I think about they get about 300 years. So she falls in love. She constantly has a singular but Think companion. about that for a second. 300. Oh, that's how long she and Bowie have been around, you think? She, no, she gets about 300 years out of them before oh, they, yeah, before they turn. Right. Yeah. So, um, and yeah. she has like, she has one lover at a time. And, and let me be clear. Male or female. Let me be clear. They do not rapidly age and die they just rapidly age and then are just a spirit in a corpse they're a mummy 
Essentially, yeah. They're like, a mummy. There's, there's consciousness in a mummy. They're like a desiccated body that she doesn't want anything to do with. So she yeah. puts them, because they're like a sad reminder. In a long chain of like her walking upstairs yeah. and going up an elevator and going so upstairs she and collects going up an elevator again. The the now mummified-ish mm-hmm. bodies of her lovers. Lovers. And keeps them together in a room in different caskets. And then they could talk to each other. Be kind to him um, tonight. Yeah. Um, which is kind of fucked up because kind of. well on a couple different levels because she told David Bowie always that and forever it would be forever right like forever and ever I I don't think she really explains the and then you'll suddenly be old and it'll be terrible forever I think she believes well, I know she doesn't explain it because she explains well, it to him while he's turning ancient as shit in front of us right thanks and for those effects Dick Smith they were she, beautiful she kind of thinks that it's and and as a viewer we don't know if she has some sort of disease, like not all vampires work this way, or if, well, no, this is part of it. Like you're cursed to, you know, live forever, but not in a body. Like that's not guaranteed. You know what I mean? I don't. It's the weird addition to the vampire lore this movie makes. Like right. it does the thing that we see some movies in the 80s do where it's like they don't have fangs. They have those little onks with the knives in them. Oh, right. That they use to like. Cut people, cut people and drink people their and blood. Drink. But they also, like, we assume just because, you know, we, she's 6,000 years old and she looks like she did when Incredible. she was turned. Um, she's Catherine Deneuve. Yeah. <laughs> um, that she doesn't age. But yet, for some reason, Her, when she turns someone, they last about 300 years and then they do the thing where they... Wither and die. Get to be... They look like they're 500 years old in, like, a, a day. And I think you... Like, I think we are supposed to assume that it's like a disease in vampirism and that's why she's so fascinated at first with Susan Sarandon's character because she's studying age and studying you know decline and so like I, I you know you're kind of left hanging if well no this is in this world this is how vampire works you know there's only one all the other ones only last for a few you know 300 years yeah. Or if this really is kind of a disease I'm not you know that's kind of alluded to but you're not guaranteed that like she's in the movie, she's interested in Susan Sarandon's research until it's too far gone for Bowie. And then she's just interested then, in Susan Sarandon. Well, she's going to have that little girl grow up and oh, be like yeah. her next in line. But, but Bowie kills her. Kills, yeah, yeah, yeah. So That's right. she's like, I guess it's Susan Sarandon. And then then suddenly she like has all these powers. Um, she can do like the glimmer where she can persuade people. She kind of can show up in her dream. All the old tropes of a vampire come out when she's... Except I don't think she turned anything. She doesn't, yeah, she doesn't turn um, into a bat. She does have the ability to, like, compel people. Uh, she also, like, turns Susan Sarandon like, without letting her know what's happening. Like, she, Susan Sarandon just thinks that... Like, she turns her in a sexy one. They're having this, like, fling. <laughs> yeah. And then it turns out, like, nah, you're now, like, turning into a vampire. Yeah. And so the movie basically ends with Susan Sarandon. She kind of vampire raped her. Yeah. Now that you say it like that. Yep. There's a uh, total lack of consent there. Yeah. Like there was no. Thanks, 80s. At least with Bowie in the flashback, she was like, you know, she lied to him kind of and was like, it's forever. Right. And he kind of knew what he was getting into. Like she didn't even give Susan Sarandon that conversation. Right. She, at, like Susan Sarandon finds out when she's like, what is going on with me? And she's like, you're, you have to eat and you'll come back whenever you need me to show you how to do things. Yeah. And then you'll love me as much as I love you. 
That's fucking it's, wild. It's very 80s, and isn't it? crazy codependent. Yes. Um, yeah. And, and I think sitting here talking with you at no point, at any point during the writing and creation of this, at any point did anybody even remotely think of like, wow, she didn't really ask her permission for this, huh? Huh. Like, that was never even considered because would, that wasn't a thing that people thought I about I would argue that that's kind of the point in a way. Okay. Um, so the movie does end with the original, uh, let me finish this. The original movie ends with Susan Sarandon cutting her own throat and then forcing Catherine Renew to like drink her blood and then she dies. Right. And she's like, no, stay be a vampire. And Susan Sarandon's like, I can't. Peace out. Uh, and dies. And then there's a whole, and then all of the former lovers come back out of their caskets and attack her and put her in a casket. She ages rapidly. I don't understand why. Neither do I. The and magic of vampires. We have a scene in London where suddenly Susan Sarandon's the new vampire. Right. And Catherine can hear in her a screaming. casket. And she's like, you know, oh, no. like Sarah! Sarah, let me out. Yeah. Um, apparently that... That was a cool ending. That whole like thing with Susan Sarandon in London was tacked on because they were like, if this movie's a hit, we want to have like a way to do sequels. It was a cool Spoiler ending. Spoiler alert, it was not a hit. Yeah. However, <laughs> the way that you explained like this is how it was supposed to end or where it was supposed to end would have been better. Yeah. Um, it would actually, have been a more original like, I have yeah, cool. a quote and this is going to kind of lead us into what we're about to talk about. Um, so Susan Sarandon said... Uh, about the movie's ending being changed. She said, the thing that made the film interesting to me was this question of, would you want to live forever if you were an addict? But as the film progressed, the powers that be rewrote the ending and decided that I wouldn't die. So what was the point? All the rules that we'd spent the entire film delineating, that Miriam lived forever and was indestructible, and all the people that she transformed eventually all died, and that I killed myself rather than be an addict, was ignored. Suddenly I was kind of living she was kind of half dying <laughs> nobody knew what was going on and i thought it was a shame yeah um there was a better story to be told there so i think the ending originally was miriam is killed by her former lovers right um and, and that's how the movie would have ended which would have been like a period at the end of that sentence and they were like oh, this going in case it's a hit and it wasn't because so in, it didn't matter in 1983 we were already what Mm-hmm. three friday the 13th films in. i don't know they were I doing guess. one a year Jesus. <laughs> starting, yeah i think they the first one was in 1981 and by 1983 there were already three so oh, wow okay. strike while the iron is hot if I you guess. will um yeah this movie is i mean there's definitely an, an, an aspect about like consent mm-hmm. um which is interesting when you get into like talking about vampire and vampire lore and like when you see other people as cattle or something that you feed off There's of. The rule in traditional vampire lore is that they can't come in unless you invite them. Like that's part of the whole thing is that they need to be welcomed in and told, yeah. yes, you can invite me kind of a thing. Um, yeah, no. And like you said, I think we mentioned this totally in the previous ignored. episode. There's all kinds of really weird vampire things. Like some folklore, it's like if you leave... A bag of like pebbles or something. They have oh to yeah, stop we were talking about that. The, them. They say in the first half. They can't cross like yeah a running water. Doesn't really matter though because it's all just kind of folklore yeah. shit. It is what it is. But um, we talked in the past about how monsters in horror movies are kind of metaphors for things. Mm-hmm. And I would say in the early '80s, this was a metaphor for like substance use. Like I think this you're movie right. especially. And I think later in the 80s, the vampire films take on a, more of an AIDS allegory. 
Okay. But in 1983... I'm not really sure about that, but I'm not into those type of movies. Wait till we get to Fright Night. Got it. <laughs> um, by 1983, like, heroin was still very much a thing, right? Like, It's a big well, resurgence I mean, now. it's still a huge thing now, but it, they, it dipped for a while. Mm-hmm. Like, in the 80s, we saw the rise of, like, coke, of crack, and, crack yeah. and stuff like that. Like, But the 70s, like the late 70s and early 80s, it was a huge issue with heroin. Like there is now. <laughs> Hashtag I live in West Virginia. Yeah. Um, yeah. Opiate capital, overdose capital of the world. Yeah, we're not getting any. Never mind. We'll yeah, talk about it again. is what it is. Um, so you've got this character who is essentially the dealer. Like she's this vampire who's the source, right? Right. For all this shit. It's a good way to call her. She's the source. She's yeah. the source. She's like the fountain from which all this flows from. And it's very much like if you talk to someone who does drugs, like People do drugs because they're fun. No one does drugs for the first time and is like, these are fucking terrible, right? Like people that I know who are in like recovery from like things like heroin will tell you it was really fun until it wasn't. Right. Um, Which is very similar to the way the vampirism in this movie works. Like it's super fun until until you hit that wall. Yeah. And suddenly your body stops doing what it's supposed to do. Like, and I mean, the way that you see Susan Sarandon kind of going through the change, it's very much like going through withdrawal. Like, you know, if you're watching mm -hmm. a movie about that. So, yeah, for sure. Bent over, like she's willing to do anything to get a fix, which includes like killing her partner. partner. That's a little more Hollywood. Fair. You know, I mean, I've definitely. It would not surprise me, though. heroin addictions who have done some fucking insane things to stay high if she didn't actually kill her partner her former boyfriend whatever because she then i mean it's pretty soon after that that she kills herself i want her to have killed him he was really annoying well yeah he was but um he was very much that guy who's like well, i know what's best for you yeah like, okay that's exciting. she didn't come home she's been she's late coming home catherine news is just like she's upstairs we fucked yeah what's the problem <laughs> Americans. um yeah, so it's this thing like you talk to people who have been in like had a long term uh, relationship slash dependency on things like heroin, right? Like it ages you. Yeah. It fucks your body up after a time. But when you start doing it for there's like a period where you're like, this is amazing. I feel great. Yeah. Um, and it's kind of like that with these vampires. Like they're having a great time. They're in love. They're off gallivanting like. They go to these clubs, they, you know, have sex and, you know, feed and like they have, they live this kind of hedonistic lifestyle. And then David Bowie hits a wall. And he can't sleep. And all the, you know, usual stuff that he would do to try to go to sleep. He just can't sleep anymore. And then like the blood's not even working to keep him young anymore. Right. Like it's just like his body is like, nope, it nope. just gives out. You've gone too hard, bro. <laughs> yeah, that's a good way to put it. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> gone too hard. He's gone too hard. And the thing that's interesting is... She almost needs them more than yeah. they need her. She like needs she a gets them addicted to her presence and yes. like her, you know what she provides. So they're like bound to her. Like yeah. David Bowie's character definitely feels like he's in love with her until they have that argument. Like where he's essentially like, "I killed that bitch." Right? Oh, like, right. I'm not going to let you replace me that easily. But like with Susan Sarandon, like it's never even a question. She's just like, surprise, you're addicted. It, yes. Now you and need it, It's me. very fast. And, you know, it's this thing of Susan Sarandon was like a very smart, capable, independent mm-hmm. adult. Until she was she a got, doctor. She was a celebrated yeah. author, research Until she scientist. gets addicted to 
blood. This blood and starts turning into a vampire. And then suddenly she's like dependent. She can't fend for herself. Like she's missing dinner with her boyfriend. Yeah, it's. I mean, it's very much like someone on drugs, mm-hmm. like on hard drugs. And I just think it's very, very interesting, like the way they show that. Yeah, it's a good movie, and I, I wish it had been more of a hit. I'm glad it didn't get a sequel, though. I think that would have really dumbed down the message. Oh, I mean, you want to talk about this movie was made for like $10 million? Wow. And it made $5.9 million back. Ooh, <laughs> now that's a bomb. Yeah. It, uh, yeah. It's, it's become like this huge Shit. like cult film. Okay. I can um, see, you can see why. Yeah. Because, I mean, it's a really good movie. It makes me just miss the kind of acting that Susan Sarandon does. Like, she has, if you line up her movies, she's had this insane, hilarious career with everything from Rocky Horror and movies like this to, I mean, she, she's just this incredible actress. And I don't know. Susan Sarandon feels like an actor. I don't who, see Leah Michelle being the next Susan Sarandon. <laughs> you know what I mean? I was, well, Susan Sarandon feels like an actor who takes a role and then gives it everything, but mm-hmm. doesn't look at... How does this fit into the filmography? Like the girl who, the girl, the female who was in Rocky Horror Picture Show and had a lesbian sex scene in 1983 was also in Dead Man Walking, was the nun. I think 10 years after this. (laughs) Was the nun in Dead Man Walking. Like, incredible. Incredible. That's just my opinion of uh, Susan Sarandon. She's like the vamp in uh, Bull Durham. She also Tina Turnered it, where she was like, I'm going to divorce you, but I'm going to keep your name because I'm already famous with your name. <laughs> so. Yeah, this is what? 83, 4, yeah, 5, 80. 6, 7. Mm-hmm. He's doing 10, math. Six or seven years before she does Thelma and Louise. Okay. Like. So, she's it's wild. Like, she, Susan Sarandon's been all Her career is just a character study. It's very, very, very interesting. And. I'm going to go ahead and say that this movie can be archived because it is fucking... There's definitely action. There's lots of throat slits and there's a lot of quick rapid cuts. Um, That's a Tony Scott tro- uh, yeah. trope right there. Like, hey, how, how many times can we cut? Let's have about every five seconds. I would give this revolutionary. It takes the vampire and it kind of does make it its own sort of a thing. Like the only thing... They never really use the word vampire even, do they? Uh, no, they never use it once. They don't have the teeth... They don't have the aversion to sunlight. They, you know, all that kind they of stuff. They are definitely walking around in the daylight. Yeah, like it's dark like it's, and their it's faces overcast, are covered, but yeah, but they're fine. Um, they're not near darking it where they're just exploding in like a geyser of flame. Definitely revolutionary. Killing, yep. Oratory. I mean, I don't know. There's some definite scenes that I'll always remember. David Bowie aging right in front of me was yeah, really cool. Visual. Um, that's also Dick Smith. <laughs> yeah, but I mean, do you know what I mean? Like, I don't know about oratory. Maybe if I saw it again, there'd be something that sticks out. And then fantasy and fornication. There sure was both of those heavy doses. Yeah, there's a um, heavy doses. This was a movie that when we were getting ready to watch it, you're like, should we watch this with or without <laughs> my mom? And I was like, you're gonna. I feel like you probably don't want to watch this right. with your mom. Like from the opening when they go to that club where Bauhaus is playing. And then they collect mm-hmm. the man and the woman, and then Bowie just like opens her legs. Yeah, and and, then, I, and you were like, "Yep, yep, I don't want to watch this with my mom." That was five minutes in. Like there is a there. This movie is very sexual, very but not in like a movie. sleazy way. It, it, it's in an art. It's in a French art house type way. 
It's all very beautiful and burlesque. Yeah, like, I don't know. It feels like a few years after this, even by this time, we were doing nudity for the sake of nudity. Like, this feels like it's very much like a part of the movie. Like, it wasn't just an excuse to have extra nudity. That's probably why she agreed to do it. Like, it made sense. All right, if you're going to have, like, a sexual relationship between these different characters, you kind of need to show it. Yeah. It's not just like, and then you pull your top off, and then Jason comes out of the water and rips you in half. (laughs) Which, there's a time and a place for that. There's a time and a place for everything. But this was this is different, you know. Um, so, what was your favorite scene of this whole movie? I really liked the close-up of David Bowie as he aged. That was really, really cool. Uh, what about you? I mean, it's kind of hard not to say the whole sequence where he's aging. Like, from the time he shows up and he confronts Susan Sarandon and he's like, I need to talk to you. And mm-hmm. she's like, 10 minutes, 15 minutes, or sorry, 15 minutes. And all the way to where he falls down the stairs and she has to like carry him upstairs when he's like this tiny, tiny little old man. Um, that sequence is, it's both heartbreaking and it's yeah. fucking beautiful. Like it's some of the best makeup effects I've ever seen like H-wise. Like it's incredible. It um, was the, uh, as we said many times, it was the David Bowie we didn't get to see. Yeah. And I also really enjoy um, when they all get out of their caskets. Oh yeah, that was crazy. Just all the different like bodies coming after her, and then the movie ends not making any sense. Um, I really, <laughs> really think they should have like ended it the way the script originally think, ended. Yeah, like, I think it would have made a little more sense. It was kind of a fun ending, but when we talk about what the movie was supposed to be and what the symbolism and stuff, yeah, it should have just ended with that cop kind of oh they're gone. Yeah, uh, and then not had her age rapidly, just had them like kill her. Yep. Um, so like that's, that's the twist is that their blood can kill her. I I like the fact that apparently Susan Sarandon had an affair with David Bowie while making this Love movie. That. And also like David Bowie loved like all the sexual stuff and all the romance stuff. But he was like, I feel like it's a little too bloody. Like, <laughs> like we should oh. rein in the blood. It's it's a bit much. <laughs> Okay. Like David fucking Bowie. David Bowie. <laughs> yeah. So ridiculous. Well, um, man, oh man. Now. What are we watching? Hold on. Would you watch oh. this movie with your family? Nope. Next question. None of them? Nope. None of them. Absolutely none. Zero <laughs> zip. None. I watch it with you. It was sexy and fun. This movie is very sexual. Don't want sexy fun with it's anybody. very, with very kiddo. sexual. <laughs> yeah. It's a lot of like. Yeah. Like aggressive kissing. There's a lot of aggressive, like, those kisses that David Bowie has given that lady at the beginning. It was the kind of kisses that it's like, we're about to fuck. Yep. Like, those are the, ki- like, just full on, like, mouth, like, tongue thrown everywhere. Like, even from the outset, this movie is, like, yeah, down to fuck. <laughs> that's that's why I rate this movie. I rate this movie DTF. Down, down to, fuck. to fuck. Yeah. That should have been the tagline. There you go. <laughs> Not Nothing human loves forever. Yeah. Although that's a good tagline. <laughs> what are we watching next week? Uh, we are going to... Continue with... I think uh, jump forward 10 years exactly. Directors whose first movie was a vampire To film. 1993. All right. Uh, we're going to visit another uh, director who's won the Best Director Oscar. This time, Guillermo del Toro. Ah. Uh, for Kronos. Oh, the only one I haven't seen. I think. Yeah. All right. Well... You've not seen Nightmare Alley. No, I have not. The new one, that's true. The bookends. You've not seen the bookends. The first and the last. Well, not the last. Hopefully not the last. Hopefully not the last. (laughs) The most recent. Oops. 
Anyway, well, until then. I'm Josh. And I'm Cindy. And I'm still his girlfriend. <laughs>